speaking got a little excited and, and not so much that you were excited that uh, of, of what I was going to be talking about but that we're gonna get out of here early today so <laughs> maybe I'm, I'm gonna work on that a little bit um, I go can you hear me uh, try to go a little bit longer um, uh, we'll see I usually prepare, prepare about I don't know, about six pages of notes and I, I realize about three-quarters of the way through that I've only taken up about ten minutes and so We'll see. It'll be good. Um, all right. Well, tonight uh, I'm going to be um, talking about the uh, the sovereignty of God. And uh, the sovereignty of God is one of those things. It's a huge topic. Um, and uh, it's one of those things that, to be honest with you, I, I can't say that I um, fully understand. I think it's some of the, it's one of those things that um, I've talked a lot about um, and understand to some degree. I think we've all uh, heard it talked about in church, especially if we've been around here and, uh, and in church for a while. Um, and so there's a certain aspect that we do understand. Um, but then there's, a, for me, there's just this kind of, um, I don't know, there's something vague about it for me. Um, and so uh, I'm going to be the first to say that I don't know everything about this, but I feel like there is um, some important uh, truth um, for us uh, uh, in this. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and start. Um, when we're talking about the sovereignty of God, we're just going to go ahead. Is this feeding back? Do I need to do anything? Okay. Um, start off with the definition. Um, when we're talking about the sovereignty of God, we mean that um, the definition that, that I've kind of looked up and, and found is, is God's absolute right um, to do all things uh, according to his own good pleasure. And um, these actions will always be in line with his character. Um, and so there's plenty of, of places in Scripture, multiple places in Scripture, that talk about this idea um, of God being sovereign over his creation. Um, I'm going to run through a few. Uh, this is by no means all-encompassing. Um, but uh, I just want to look at a few of them and, and see some of the ways that, that the Bible talks about God being sovereign over his creation. Ephesians uh, 1.11. Um, I think we'll have that, huh, Nate? Okay. Um, you don't have to turn here if you don't want to. But uh, it says... Uh, in him we obtain, obtained an inheritance, having been predestined uh, according to the purpose of him who works all things uh, according to the counsel of his will. So we see that last part uh, talking about God um, working all things according to the uh, counsel of his will. Um, we also see uh, the Bible talk about uh, God uh, ruling over us as a king over his kingdom. Uh, if you turn to, uh, you don't have to turn here, this will be up on the, it'll be up on the screen, uh, Daniel, thir- Daniel 4. 34 and 35. It says, uh, At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High, and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are kind as nothing, and he does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? Uh, and I think, so we see uh, in that passage, uh, in referring to um, God uh, having uh, everlasting dominion. 
and his kingdom enduring from generation to generation. And that he does according to his will, repeating what, you, what we talked about in Ephesians. Um, if we look at another passage, uh, speaking of, this, of the same thing, uh, 1 Chronicles 29, 11, and 12. It says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And so we see the, the power and the glory uh, with which uh, God reigns over his kingdom. We see the fact that uh, it is his, like it says in there, to make great and to give strength. So he's the author of, of greatness and strength uh, that we see in, in each other. As we see God as king over his kingdom, um, I think the important thing to see in those two passages is that not just this earthly kingdom, but king over all of his creation, heaven and earth. Um, I think uh, another cool thing is that he is king over heaven and earth. He's king over, uh, sovereign over nature as well. Uh, Matthew 9, 26 and 27, um, when Jesus was uh, in the boat with his disciples and there was a storm raging around them, uh, it says, uh, Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even winds and sea obey him? I think that's just a beautiful picture of the way that God um, not only sovereignly rules over us as people, um, but also over all of creation. Uh, I, I majored in, in biology in, uh, in, in college and, and up going to physical therapy school. And um, I just always was blown away by um, the more and more I learned about um, uh, the human body and the processes that uh, go on to allow us to function the way that we, we do, how intricate and how detailed uh, those were. And just to think about um, the fact that, that God, um, in his sovereignty, he rules over all that. He is the one who is sustaining that. He is the one who created us as we are and the intricacy with, with which we're made. And um, I just think it's, it's a real beautiful picture that we begin to understand that he is sovereign over all he has created. Um, so when we talk about sovereignty, the fact that God is in control, that he, uh, that he does according to his will, um, there are some obvious questions that, uh, that arise. And I think that this is a topic that has been uh, widely debated uh, among churches and throughout church history. And, uh, and I think that um, beyond the debate, there's some important truths uh, to be had about uh, the sovereignty of God in our own lives. Uh, quote that I, that I was kind of reading through um, that John Piper talked about when he was going through this himself and processing through the sovereignty of God and studying it and uh, just figuring out uh, how it applied to him. He kind of felt like God was, told him something, and I'm going to read uh, what he uh, felt like God was saying to him. He says, uh, I will not simply be analyzed, I will be adored. I will not simply be pondered, I will be proclaimed. My sovereignty is not simply to be scrutinized, it is to be heralded. It is not grist for the middle of controversy. It is gospel for sinners who know that their only hope is the sovereign triumph of God's grace over their rebellious will. And so I think that was just, that was just beautiful to me because he's not saying that the debate and the, the, the pursuit of, uh, of, God's, uh, of understanding God's sovereignty and um, the debate between free will and predestination and all that stuff, not to say, he wasn't saying that that's necessarily a bad thing in and of itself because I think that that kind of study is, is good to kind of pursue to understand God a little bit better. Um, but I think what he's saying is that the, the aim of all that is not to just understand that better, but the aim of all that is to praise the Lord and to recognize more of who he is and 
and his power and his grace and um, more of his character. And so those debates can, unfortunately, can, to, can, can lead completely away from that. And, uh, but I think it's important to realize that um, this is something that, that, is, that is who God is. It's a part of his character. And so um, I think that there's a lot of, a lot of truth that we can, that we can learn that uh, can lead us to just really see him in a different way. Um, I think there's a, another thing as we, as we go through tonight. There, when we're talking about the debate and all that stuff, um, there, there's going to be certain things that we don't completely understand about God and, and the way he works. Um, Deuteronomy 29, 29 says that uh, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. So I think that was just a real beautiful passage because it, it acknowledges the fact that we're not going to understand everything there is to, to know about God. And I think that's appropriate, but I love the last part. It said that but the things that are revealed belong to us and our children forever, that we may do all the words. Good. Um, apparently this mic doesn't like my voice. I think before the church we were trying to get it to work and it just wasn't liking it. So if I need to change, Matt, just let me know. Um, so we, the last part of that verse, it says that, um, that the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. We're responsible for what, we, uh, well, from what, from what he has revealed to us. And so I think it's, it's good to acknowledge that God's God. There's, there's going to be some stuff that we don't understand uh, about the way he works and about who he is. But the things that we do understand, we're to be responsible with. So why is the sovereignty of God important? And, and I think I've already kind of mentioned this, but it's important for a couple of reasons. I think it... It definitely affects the way that we view God. Uh, it affects the way that uh, we see him as a, a part of his character. Um, it affects the way we view ourselves. It, uh, it affects the way we view each other. Uh, it affects the way we view the world around us. Um, and, and it affects the way we respond to God. And um, so what, what I want to do tonight is, is I want to look at the, that topic, the sovereignty of God, and I want to uh, look at more specifically the purposes that he that he, with which he rules over us and the, and the way that he relates to us and the way that he rules over us. And I want to look at that in, in the context of how we should uh, respond to that individually um, as the church, both as the Ring uh, Community Church and as the, the Big C Church, the, the, the Church Universal, which I'll, we'll talk about in a little bit. But um, anyway, uh, let's uh, turn to Ephesians 1, uh, 3 through 10. We're going to hang out here for a little bit. I'm going to go ahead and just read uh, through it, and um, then we're going to kind of break it down a little bit piece by piece. All right. Verse, uh, verse 3. It said, uh, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us, and all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. It's a lot to take in. Uh, I love how Paul has... Um, basically seven verses or so that uh, comprise two sentences. And so uh, what I want to do is um, uh, just kind of go piece by piece and look at um, how God sovereignly reigns over 
and, and the purposes with which he does that. So let's start off in, in verse 3. Um, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So Paul begins with um, praising the fact that in Christ um, we have been given every, and e- I love that word every, every spiritual blessing, um, meaning that the Holy Spirit is within us, His presence is within us. He has uh, given us, I think it's in Second uh, Peter somewhere, that He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. Um, every spiritual blessing here, every spiritual blessing uh, in the future for uh, when we um, are in heaven. And so I think that's beautiful. He starts in that. Starts with that. He pra- he, he praises God for the things, for, for Him being so generous to give us every spiritual blessing, and He's already done that in Christ. And so we move on, and we look at verse uh, verse four. So we look at verse verse three. Says, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places." And verse four, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. Um, and we're going to stop there. Um, so we look at that, 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 that section of verse 4, and I think there's two important things that we can, that we can get from that. Um, the first part of that verse says, even as he chose us in him. Um, our salvation was initiated by the Lord. Uh, it was his choice, uh, it was his voluntary choice, and it was initiated by him, nothing to do with us. And we look at the next part of that, it says, before the foundation of the world. Um, beyond the debates of predestination, free will, all that stuff, we can come down to this truth that um, before the foundation of the world, God initiated a plan to, to, to save us as Christians. Um, sin did not surprise him. He was not caught off guard. Um, I think that's important for us to kind of realize. I think, we, I think we know that, but I don't think we really think about that a lot. Um, I know obviously there's some questions that come about with that, but sin did not surprise him, and he was not caught off guard by it. Um, let's... Uh, Let's move on. Let's go ahead and read uh, the rest of verse 4. Um, it said, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. And I think this is a, a beautiful part of that verse, that God in his wisdom and his sovereignty um, gave us every spiritual blessing that we would need. Um, he uh, chose us. He voluntarily chose us, initiated salvation within us. And he determined that we would be holy and blameless before him. He determined this before the beginning of the world, before the beginning of time. He determined that, we would, that our sin would not be counted against us, that um, it would be removed from us because of Christ, and he would see us as perfect and holy. Um, I think that's pretty big. I think that's pretty big to realize that this was his plan from the beginning. Um, if we move on, uh, looking at... Um, Verses uh, 4 and 5, the rest of verse 4 and 5 says, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. It says, In love, he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. And so we look at that that last part of verse 4, and we look at uh, at verse 5, and it says, In love, he predestined us for adoption. And so we've already seen that God has... uh, Chosen a plan, God's plan from the beginning of time that we would be holy and blameless before Him. But He also talks about here how He's going to relate to us. He says that He predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ. Um, he predestined, predetermined 
that we would be brought into his family and that he would relate to us as a loving father. Uh, and, and, he, and he keeps on referencing back through to Jesus Christ, that this would only be a result of Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. Um, and that... <clears throat> I think it's just beautiful as we continue to go through this to, to see how all these things were in place from the start. And I'll keep on going back to that, but I don't want us to take, it, to take that for granted that these things were in place from the beginning. Let's, uh, let's move on. Um, we'll look at verses uh, 5 and 6. Um, it says, in, you'll go back to verse, uh, beginning of verse 5. In love, he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ um, according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace. Uh, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Um, we see that repeating, that, that, that repetitive uh, part of the, the passage that says, according to the purpose of his will. Um, I think the next part is important. It says, to the praise of his glorious grace. We, we begin to see the purposes uh, of, of God's reign over us, that he would point us back to him. Josh talked a little bit about that um, just a second ago, that, that the purposes with which he rules over us is that he, is, he wants to point us and to point the rest of creation back to him and back to who he is, and back to his grace. And so we look at that, and we, and we see that last part, that, uh, that uh, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Again, referencing back to Christ. Um, the grace that is on display for the world to see uh, more about who God is and his character has been given to us through Jesus Christ. Um, so let's, uh, let's move on a little bit more. I know I'm kind of going a little bit fast, but... Hopefully y'all are, y'all are keeping up with me. Um, so verse 7 says, uh, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Um, we have been redeemed. We have been reconciled. We have been uh, brought back into a right relationship with God. Um, we have been forgiven through the blood of Christ. When we look at that, that image of the blood of Christ, um, this, we see that self-sacrificial love of God being displayed. Um, the obedience and the suffering of Jesus uh, on the cross, the, the pain of, of God the Father that was involved with that. Um, we see that plan that was initiated from the, again, initiated from the beginning, and that was, that uh, he carried out because of who he is. Um, let's move on uh, to, uh, to verse 8. Um, so we look at verse 7, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us, and all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. Um, look at verse 8, it says, uh, uh, which he lavished upon us. And, and if you look at the definition of lavish, it, uh, it says uh, to expend or give in, in great amounts or without limit. And so we see that uh, the guy gave this grace to us um, in abundance. Uh, he predestined, he decided from the beginning of time that he would give us his grace in abundance and without limit. Um, we look at the rest of that passage, and this is kind of where we, we really get to see the purpose of, of God in all this. Um, look at verses 8 through 10. It says, uh, Which he lavished upon us, and all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to, the purpose, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. And so... We see that um, out of his wisdom, he chose to allow us to see the purposes uh, which were set forth in Christ from the beginning of time. Um, meaning that uh, Christ uh, coming to earth, his 
his life, his, uh, his death, his resurrection, were all part of that original plan. All those purposes um, were to the, pointed to the last thing, as it said in verse 10, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Um, so the history of creation, the history of, uh, of creation and its reconciliation to uh, God and, and, uh, and his bringing of, of all creation back into right relationship with him hinged on Christ. And, and his purposes um, that he determined from the beginning of time was that we would see that picture of Christ uh, bringing us back into that relationship. And so we look at, we look at that and, and we see all those things. We see that perfect plan that he, that he put into, into, into motion. And um, we begin to ask ourselves, well, how do, how do we respond to that? And, and I don't think this is going to be an all-encompassing list, but there are a few ways that we, that we can respond. Um, one is, is praise. I think when we begin to look at um, the authority and the, and the wisdom and the grace and the love and the sovereignty of God and, and the way that he um, brought about reconciling us to him, um, we can't help but, but stand in awe and praise him for who he is and for his character. Um, another way that we can respond is um, humility. Uh, I think we can't help but, but be humbled by um, looking at the greatness of, of God's character uh, when we see um, his wisdom in all of this. Um, one of the things that should follow when we, um, when we begin to be humbled by that is, is submission, um, that realization that, um, that we are not in control. Uh, everything that we have uh, was created by him and, and given to us uh, by him. Um, and this affects the way we view, we view a lot of things. It affects the way we view our money. It affects the way we view our relationships, um, all our possessions. And, uh, and so when we um, begin to submit to him, we obviously the, the thing that would follow that would be obedience. And um, I think this is where um, some people have a little bit of trouble with this idea of sovereignty and, uh, and, 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 God and him controlling all things, is that well, if he's controlling all things, then why do I need, need to act? I think that um, we need to realize that sovereignty is, is not incompatible with um, our choices. That um, God, uh, in his sovereignty, ordained that we would have the, the freedom of choice. And, I, and I'm not going to go into the, you know, the reasons behind that because I don't per, you know, personally understand that. Um, but I think we need to avoid that uh, fatalistic view of life where um, everything uh, is just going to happen no matter what we do. And, I, and that's not true. Um, we have been called to obey. We've been called to obedience. Um, another uh, response that um, we should have as we look at uh, the love and the grace with which God sovereignly rules over us is, is trust. Um, we can trust his purposes. I think he, if we look back at Ephesians 1, he completely um, uh, showed us that we can trust his purposes, that um, we can trust uh, the things that he has um, planned from the beginning of time. Um, we can trust his grace, uh, the grace that, with which he rules over us. Um, I think there's a couple of areas that we can trust his grace in. Um, his grace and sovereignty in our screw-ups and our, our sin. Um, he is, uh, we can be confident that he is much bigger uh, than our sin, and his purposes are bigger than our sin. And I don't want to negate the, the consequences of our sin. 
or, the or our responsibility over that. Um, but I think that if we take a step back and look at it, we can be confident in, uh, in, in God's purposes being bigger than our sin. I think uh, the perfect picture of that is the cross, um, that his purposes, uh, in, spite of, in spite of the presence of sin in the world, were accomplished at the cross. Another way that, um, that we can trust his grace is, uh, is in the tough times. Um, a passage that I know is quoted a lot and that brings a lot of um, uh, relief to a lot of hearts is uh, Romans 8.28. And it says, uh, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Um, part of his sovereignty over us as, as Christians is that uh, he does work all situations for good. I think for uh, it may not be the good that we have in mind, but it it is the ultimate ultimate good in a sense that this is the good that's going to glorify Him, which is the good um, that we really should desire. Um, another way that we can trust His grace and sovereignty is over the the future. We can be um, we can trust Him with our future. We can trust His purposes in our future. We can trust his presence in our future. And I think our response to that is we are, not that we don't look to the future, but we are faithful and obedient in the present, trusting God uh, for the future. Um, we can also trust him for our past. Uh, we talked about earlier about God being bigger than our mistakes. If, if there are things in our past that, that we feel um, uh, uh, screwed things up for us, uh, God's grace and his sovereignty is, is bigger than that. Um, we can trust in the fact that he works all things for the good of those that love him. And so we look at, look at how we respond individually. We look at the way that God reigns over us individually and the way that he rules and the way that um, the, the reasons that we can trust him. Um, so we look at that and we uh, begin to, um, what I want to do is, 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 is look at how this looks for us as a church. And I, uh, if you look at the definition of the church, church is, is, if you look at the, the, the church universal, the church is um, the uh, entire community of, of Christians uh, that um, past, present, and future. Um, big, big city, big church. Um, and so when you talk about the church, the church is, is, is people. It's comprised of people. And I know we've heard that a lot. Um, so if, we, if the church is comprised of people, then if we look at how God's sovereignty applies to us as a church, and a lot of things we talked about with uh, individually are going are gonna to apply to us as a church. Um, when we talk about the church, we talk about, uh, uh, there's a lot of ways that the Bible talks about Christ and his relation to the church. Um, if you look at Ephesians uh, 1.22, it says that uh, and he put all things, and you don't have to turn there, we're going to have this up here. Um, and he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all. So we have this picture of Christ as the head of the church, uh, and the church is his body. And so him uh, uh, basically controlling all the functions of the church. We see Christ as the uh, author and the creator of the church uh, through his death. Acts 20, 28 says, uh, and this is where the, the writer, the author of Acts is talking to the Ephesian elders. It says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Without Christ, there is no church. Um, he obtained us, his church, with his blood. 
Um, Christ is also referred to as the builder of the church um, in the sense that he calls people to himself. Matthew uh, 16, 18 says, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So we see that description of Christ building the church. He is the one that builds uh, the church by calling people to himself. Christ is the sustainer of the church. Um, he is uh, another picture we have of, of the way that Christ and the church relate and the way he is head over is, is uh, the image of a bride, which we've all heard talked about many times. But it's a great picture of the love and that Christ has for the church and the way that he uh, uh, relates to the church. So all these are pictures of, of, of how God uh, has chosen to, um, to relate to us as the church out of his character. And so we look at uh, church, we also have to just talk about the, the purposes of the church. Uh, and, and I'm going to go ahead and read this because I think this is real important. It says, God has sovereignly chosen that the living organism of the church would display his love, his grace, his power to transform lives, his power to reconcile us to himself, his purposes to the world. Um, all those things that we talked about in Ephesians 1 with the way that God uh, has determined that he would deal with us and that he would relate to us, um, that's what we have been called to uh, convey to the world, to point to the, to point the world to the character of Christ and who he is. Um, but not only is the church called to display this to the world, the church is, is where we learn to do this um, by following the one that has sovereignly called us. Um, the church is where we learn to display um, that love um, and that trust in the sovereignty of God to the world. And, and by doing so, um, point to who God is and his character. So we look at, we talked about the, the big church. We look at more specifically at the Rain Community Church. Those, those same things are going to apply. For us, Christ is the head over this church. Um, the, uh, he is the one that, that uh, is sustaining, created this church. He is the one that is sustaining this church. Um, he, is, he is the head over this church. And uh, our church has been sovereignly put together um, by God to display the love and the glory of God to uh, our surrounding community, including LSU campus, including the people that we come in contact with on a, on a daily basis. Um, we, uh, God has sovereignly put us together um, in a way that we are to display that. Uh, we spend a lot of time talking about spiritual gifts. Um, each of us has been individually called to us. God's given each of us individual spiritual gifts to accomplish that purpose within this body. Um, if we look at our, our history, our, God has sovereignly just brought us along, and you ask anybody that's been around for a while, um, that they can, they can see the, the hand of God um, working in so many different ways to bring us to the point where we um, are right now. And, um, and so we can see how God has just been in control of this church since the beginning. We can, we can trust God with, because of that, we can, we can trust God with the future of this church. We can trust God with um, the future location. We can trust God with whatever. We can trust God with the future of this church because he is the head of this church. And so we, we begin to see um, uh, how God is sovereign over us and sovereign over us individually and how we respond to that how he was sovereign over us as a church and how we respond to that. We begin to see just this bigger picture um, of how we all fit into the uh, 
uh, community of believers. That God has called uh, all of us to display who God is and His character and His love and His glory. And when we when we see that, we see that we have a common purpose. Um, we we see that um, we can we can especially when we talk about us as a church, we co- we can cooperate with other churches around the area um, because of that common purpose, because of the fact that, that God has called us um, to the same thing to display His love and His glory and, uh, and His holiness. Um, I think we can do all of this, and I'm going to kind of end here. Um, we can do all this. We can display the glory of God and the goodness and, and the wisdom of his sovereign rule over us um, with the confidence in the end result. Um, if we look at uh, Revelation 19, uh, verses 6 through 8. You got that? It says, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah. For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. Josh uh, Harris wrote a book, um, Stop Dating the Church, and uh, speaking of this passage, he said, that, uh, he said this, he said, this is the church that will triumph in spite of human failure and demonic attacks. This is the church that will never end. We are confident in the end. Um, I think that's such a beautiful picture of um, the, the time when, when, our, when the church, Christ's bride, will be united with him in heaven. And, and, the, and the, the response of praise um, that um, will spring forth from that. So what I think we, and I think we're, again, I flew through. Uh, I know it's a lot faster than I, than I thought, but I think where... Um, we go from here is that um, I think there are obviously some ways that, um, that we don't trust in, in God's sovereignty, we don't trust in his control but I think tonight what I want to do is end on that note in, in Revelation that um, to praise the fact that he is sovereign, to praise the fact that he is in control of us, that, to praise the fact that his purposes um, uh, will be accomplished and that as we become more as we praise that, we begin to understand more of who he is. And I think that the, the areas where, we, where we're not trusting, the areas where we're not being obedient, um, in a sense they're going to take, I don't, don't want to say this because I think we have to play a, a role in it, but they're going to take care of themselves. If we focus on the sovereignty of God and, and who he is and how he rules over us, then I think we can't help but, um, but to trust him more and to, and to, and to walk in, in submission and obedience. And so... Let me, uh, let me pray for us as the band comes up, and, um, and we'll, be, we'll be done. Um, Father, I just thank you so much that, uh, that, God, you have called each and every one of us here tonight. Uh, Lord, I thank you for the fact that you have allowed us to see uh, just who you are through the way that um, you have, uh, the way that you relate to us, the way that you have brought us through so many situations where we have seen your hand so clearly and your purposes prevail. And so, Lord, I just pray that um, as we go forward, Lord, that you will uh, help us to learn to, to trust that more and that, uh, 
that Lord, we will trust you uh, with ourselves individually. We will trust you with each other. We will trust you with uh, this church. And I just thank you so much that, uh, that Lord, you, uh, your purposes are accomplished uh, no matter what. So we love you and praise you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.